0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.
1: Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, the PR firm that specializes in music tech. And if you are not a first-time listener, you, of course, know we also do the Music Tectonics conference, which took place in Santa Monica, California the LA area uh, this last October. And it was a blast seeing so many of our listeners there. But one of the most popular events was our Swimming with Narwhals Music Tech Startup Competition. It's one of the anchor events leading up to the event, into the event, and people just love it. And today I've got for you the winner of that competition, both the Audience Choice Award and the Jury Choice Award, Jessica Powell. She's the co founder and CEO of Audio Shake. Hi, Jessica. How are you?
0: Hi, good, thanks.
1: Congratulations. You won the Swimming with Narwhals Music Tech Startup Competition at Music Tectonics. How was your experience at the competition? Applying the semifinals, then the final? What was it like? What's the response been? Um, and uh, how, how did you feel about all of it?
0: Yeah, it was it was great. Um, you know, I think there as a startup, you're you're hit by so many opportunities to apply to startup competitions and so forth. and generally uh, and you have to balance that with actually doing the work of running your business. So we generally hadn't entered any competitions except where we when we were also attending the conference and what I loved about the whole application process for, Tectonics was, A, we were already planning to attend the conference because we'd heard such amazing things about it. So applying to the competition seemed like a no-brainer. Um, I loved that it was not some crazy thousand dollar fee, which is what some competitions will charge, which I think is a total racket. Um, instead, it was just, hey, you're coming to the conference, you can enter as well. Um, so it was, it was really uh, really nice in that sense. Um, and then also, you know, the uh, it was a relatively light lift in terms of the preparation. You had quite reasonably to prepare a pitch video, um, and you know present to a panel of I guess pre-finalist judges, um, and then you actually had the finals competition where you got up in front of everyone and had a few extra minutes to do your pitch. Um, but it was it's great. I actually think those are really wonderful exercises and really trying to boil down what your company does and what problem it's solving. So in that sense, co- startup competitions can be also really, really helpful. Uh, yeah, so it was great. And the conference itself was fantastic. We met so many people. We would have gone regardless of the startup competition.
1: Love it, love it. And and what's the response been to, to winning, I guess, both for yourself internally and externally for the company and maybe at the event, after the event? What's what's it been like?
0: Um, well, <laughs> I actually feel like we probably shouldn't enter any other startup competitions because the biggest response has been, you, people keep winning everything, and you, you need to stop. So, because we, in the summer, we were also at the Walla Fornia conference uh, in Europe, um, and we won that there. And so, and then I think there were a couple of online type competitions or things that we weren't involved with, but they had picked us. Um, and so I feel like 2022 is our year to be the shiny thing and 2023, it'll be someone else's turn. So it was, it was kind of funny where like, all right, all right, we've heard enough of you.
1: (laughs) Well, it's a, it's a great endorsement though, that, uh, that a lot of people from a lot of different places and and sides of the, the business are, are taking a look and saying, giving you kind of the seal of approval, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's really flattering.
1: So if anyone's been asleep, let's get the overview on audio shake. What do you guys do?
0: So we use AI to separate songs or recordings into their different parts, uh, which in industry jargon are called stems. So the vocal stem or the drum stem. And then that allows you to open up that song to all kinds of new uses, which range from things that are already existing revenue streams in the music industry. So sync licensing or remixing or creating a Dolby Atmos surround sound, you know, immersive mix, um, two entirely new audio experiences that are going to, I think, emerge in the next few years that are all around audio interactivity and artists engaging with fans and being able to throw themselves into the music.
1: Cool. Well, we'll get more into that, but what led you to starting the company?
0: Um, so I actually started off my career in music. I worked for CZAC in Paris. Um, and then from there went on to Google and have spent most of my career at Google working across a bunch of different areas, um, between Europe, Asia, and the U S. And when I was in Tokyo, I did a ton of karaoke. Um, I love karaoke. And the problem with karaoke is that, you have a relatively limited catalog. Like you're constantly singing Van Morrison and Katy Perry and like Wonderwall. And not only that, but they're all re-reports. So they're not great either to sing along to. They're a little cheesy. Um, and I really wanted to karaoke to old punk and hip hop and you couldn't. And um, back when, and that, that was sort of like a kind of a, a thought that I'd had back then when I lived in Tokyo was like, oh, what if you can make karaoke for all the world songs? Um, and another experience that i'd had uh, learning an instrument when i was a kid was i was learning to play bass and i would sit on my bed listening to music trying to pick out the bass lines and wishing that i had a way to isolate the bass so that i could hear it and so those two things are sort of in our heads as myself and my co-founder luke were doing all kinds of other things in tech Um, and i left my job at google he left his job at plaid where he ran data science there And we, I think naturally, both of us being um, passionate but mediocre musicians um, and people who had always uh, connected over music, we immediately started kind of gravitating back to music and started talking about what could we do in music. I think we were thinking about it entirely from a hobbyist point of view, not as, oh, we're going to go start a business. Generally, I would say if you want to make tons and tons of money, I would not advise you to go start a music tech company. (laughs) Go, Go build like... I don't know, calendar integrations or like some kind of credit card processing thing. Um, but we were really excited about music and we started and and I remember Luke saying, you know, I think actually the state of deep learning, like it's gotten to a point where we probably could split songs like we've talked about in the past. And so we started experimenting with that and spent a long time building the model and we We I remember the very first song that we ever split was a Smith song and Morrissey's voice sounded like really demonic. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded terrible. But we were like, oh, this is so cool. Like imagine if we could actually get the quality to a point where you could do something with it. And so we immediately, of course, were thinking about karaoke. And then we started to say, wow, well, if you could separate a vocal from the split the vocal from the instrumental, well, there's no reason you couldn't actually separate. More parts of the song and open everything up into sampling, and we thought of you know uh, DJ Shadow and Jay Dilla and all of the just amazing albums and Public Enemy, like all the different things that have been created based on sampling and reimagining songs. Um, and then we started to think, well, not only could you open these songs up to all these kind of make it even easier for people to create, but also you could probably end up encouraging entirely new music experiences that don't even exist today because all of a sudden you would be able to split audio apart in a way that was standardized which is a huge issue in the music industry people talk a lot about metadata standardization but there's also standardization issues around stems right and Someone, one person will send you stems that are, I don't know, a stem set of 15. Another person will send you stem sets that are 10 stems. Someone has labeled the guitar guitar. Someone has labeled it wah-wah. Another person has labeled it guitar, but it's actually a vocal. And all of those things don't matter so much if someone's making a remix in like a DAW, but they matter a ton if you actually wanted to create audio experiences that were interactive At scale, where you need all those assets to be standardized, and so we started to get really excited about the idea of helping artists make more money from their work with existing revenue streams but also helping partner with. um, The industry and third parties to eventually bring about entirely new audio experiences at scale using stems.
1: Very cool, well, great origin story. I didn't know about your stint in Paris or Japan or that you were a big karaoke person that we could imagine singing anything from hip hop to punk. and now we'll have to do that as another episode sometime. I'm
0: terrible. <laughs> I'm so terrible, and you will never hear me do it. Um, You've yeah. done it,
1: apparently. maybe you just uh under the right circumstances. <laughs> so there's definitely
0: a lot of alcohol involved
1: (laughs) so um interesting so we're we're going from 20 2022 to 2023 now we're talking about stems tell us about the variety of ways that stem separation is being used now or this coming year
0: right so you know the majority of our customers uh come to us for three reasons um The first one and where we started was a sync licensing, which is simply, I'm sure a lot of your listeners already know this, um, but for those that are not in the industry, sync licensing is syncing the audio and the video. So when you are watching, uh, for example, a commercial or a movie and you hear music, a sync license is is happening there. Um, And what music editors will often want is to be able to lower the acapella. They don't want you to be so distracted by the lyrics of the song that you're not hearing what the actor is saying on the screen. So they may drop the song entirely to the instrumental. They may just lower the vocals. Perhaps if a car is going around the bend, you know, some luxury car commercial, maybe they raise the energy of the bass. Um, So all of that requires being able to actually split the song apart. And a lot of sync to sync licensing teams don't have access to instrumentals. Um, And so we have a ton of customers um, that are, from the sync side of things. And they are able to create an instrumental in a few seconds and off they go. And they've landed everything from like Code Disco's landed um, uh, the Disney trailer for Encanto with uh, an instrumental from a Colombian song. We've had indie artists land like Dell Computer and Taco Bell commercials, had a ton of major label syncs. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool to see these songs that actually really only had one revenue stream before all of a sudden be open to other areas. So sync is one big area. Um, another big area is creating stems for Dolby Atmos or Sony 360 mixes. Um, for those who aren't familiar with the format, that is where you're getting essentially a surround sound type experience. Um, and in order to do that, and, and I should say, you know, we think about when we talk about Dolby Atmos a lot of times in the music world, we're talking about it in the context of Apple and Amazon and Tidal that now support these formats. But um, another way to think about it is actually when you think about immersive audio in VR or the eventual metaverse, whatever that's going to look like, you want that audio to be as immersive and almost lifelike as possible, right? Because in the real world, we're having a conversation or we're out in the street, we're not hearing audio just coming at us and from one direction, it's coming all around us. And so, what STEMs allow you to do is to place those, to essentially place sound objects in different perceptual fields and create this sense of Immersiveness. So, we do a lot of of STEMs for um, Dolby Atmos, and that can range from we've done tracks from the 1930s and 1940s, so mono track recordings that were recorded live. Um, We've split those up, uh, but similarly, all the way to Frontline, um, because I think sometimes people think that STEMs are now a regularly delivered thing. And while they are much more often turned over than they were say five years ago, there's still a lot of issues with those stems. Either the producer's hard drive crashing or someone can't get a hold of them or it's an incomplete stem set and so forth. So we've done everything from contemporary hip hop through to some of the earliest recordings in kind of modern American music. Um, and then the final category would be remixes. Uh, and I think this one's pretty fun um, because it ranges from departments uh, using their in-house remixing teams and producers to create remixes that they're going to release on you know, streaming platforms through to um, labels partnering with producers on TikTok and cr- giving them catalog tracks and having them create new versions of that in the hopes of helping push that original song and make that, that song or the remix go viral on TikTok. So we see a lot of that, that happening too.
1: Cool. Got it. So we've got sync, we've got immersive listening, and we've got remix are your three big categories for now. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about some other creative uses you're hoping to see from stems. What's up, beautiful listeners? I've got a question for you. What do you want to hear next? Let me know at pages.musictectonics.com slash feedback suggest future guests and music tech topics you want to hear us cover and tell us how we're doing again that's pages.musictectonics.com slash feedback look forward to hearing from you all right. We're back. And Jessica, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the most creative uses of stems you hope to see emerge or grow in use in the future? Uh, we can get you know, very practical or we can get super crazy here. What what What's coming? What would get you excited to see where stems could go?
0: So I think there's some really, um, so I think there's some things that we can all imagine really quickly. So for example, I mentioned earlier wanting to be able to pick out bass lines when I was in high school so that I could learn to play the bass better and play bass along to my favorite songs. Um, I don't think we're far off from that use at all. Um, already there are music education companies that are in conversation you know, with the major labels and stuff around these kinds of uses. And the idea of being able to isolate an instrument the way that a lot of us learned, You know, um, my co-founder Luke uh, played saxophone. And so he kind of grew up with these music minus one type um, where you could isolate say just the saxophone in a a jazz standard and play along. I think we'll see more of that for sure. Um, I also think we're going to see it at scale. So a great example of what that could look like is the band Green Day used Audio Shake to split its 1991 track 2000 light years away. They lost the master tapes for that song or actually for that album. And so they used Audio Shake, they created the vocals, the drums, the bass, they uploaded it to TikTok, and they used the duet feature to release all that audio to their fans, many of whom are guitar players. And so then that allowed the fans to essentially throw themselves into the band and play guitar along with Billy Joe, which, like, it was super popular on TikTok. Um, so you could imagine at some point you're going to be on TikTok or another social platform, and you're going to push a button, and you're going to be able to isolate one of those instruments. It could be for practicing. It could be again to throw yourself into the music. You could completely imagine there being a great karaoke type experience, or being able to, you know, uh, isolate the instrumental and then sing on top of it. Um, karaoke is another big area um, where I think we're going to see uh, STEM, like uh, AI instrumental creation, used a lot. Um, and uh, and then I think you get into really interesting, more speculative things. You know, I think. Um, Oh, and another really obvious area, I think, is that we'll see particularly first on um, with indie artists, uh, an increasing amount of integration with people wanting to drop their, like to do stem drops and allow their fans to remix their music. We already see this happening on a one-off basis. For example, we've, uh, a bunch of artists have come to us and created stems on, uh, on Audio Shake, and then they'll take them to a platform like Audius, where they can, you know, drop the stems for their fans, their fans can remix them and then upload them back to the the remix to the artist. Um, So I think we'll see things like that. And then I think we'll start to see things that are also more speculative. Um, You know, I think there's really interesting things that you can do combining stem separation with other kinds of music tech um, that are generating new kinds of music. And so what if you could, for example, separate a track um, and then and then generate the Calypso version, generate the version that is, you know, generate the, like the, like the hip hop take on it, generate the polka take on it, generate the sped up, like, but all this done algorithmically. And I don't think any of that means that you all of a sudden get rid of the highly curated expert remixes, Um, create anyone who's actually ever tried to create a remix. It's incredibly hard, but could you, could you do a lot of really interesting things that might even serve as a jumping-off point for new kinds of creation, or for humans then to build on top of that or edit that. Um, I think that absolutely will will happen. Uh, and then the final part I would say is that anything that's sort of happening in immersive environments, uh, metaverse, that kind of thing, all of that audio is going to be, um, all that audio is going to be immersive, from the music experience of it to the music and advertising experiment of it. And so I think that will also be a whole other area.
1: Cool. Fun stuff. Hey, are there any, if, if somebody's like never gotten to play with this, maybe they don't have a DAW. they're not a uh, engineer themselves or a musician, a remix artist or a DJ or anything like that. Are there any experiences now where somebody could go and start to get a sense of what you're talking about?
0: Um, let's see. Well, no, I mean, I think that's the issue, right? Is that uh, no doubt there's something out there that I just haven't heard of, Mm. but on the whole, I would say the problem with audio today is that it has yet to make the leap that image and video have done. So if you think of your experience of image and video as a normal consumer, not a professional on Snap or TikTok or Instagram, there are all these really wild things that we can do today that we wouldn't have been able to do 10 years ago unless we knew how to do Photoshop or other professional tools. And yet today I can turn myself into like a talking tree, or I can, you know, change the filter on my image to look like it's set in Miami in the 1960s or whatever. Um, all of which like was completely out of reach for the average consumer 10 years ago. But then you compare that to like, what kinds of leaps have we made on audio? And, and part of, yes, there's always going to be more difficulty um, because of the, like the additional copyright elements on music. But if we just even look at it from a technical perspective um when we look at the experiences on different platforms, I think they, even though there have been really, really cool things you can do on a TikTok, right? Um it's it's still the, the delta between what that experience in audio and video looks like and music, where I can okay, I can speed it up, I can slow it down, I can put it in a different voice, it 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 kind of pales in comparison to becoming like a talking tree, in my opinion. And part of that is because we haven't been able to break that audio up. And so I think that we we will see. In the next two years, um, a whole flurry of apps that are going to be developed and experiences within the social platforms that are going to be developed that don't require you having the knowledge of an audio professional. I think of what has existed up until now, it's a lot of times people who are passionate about audio, who know their way around a DAW, who are then bringing that experience in perhaps a more compact form onto the mobile phone. And there's utility in that for sure. But I think the audience for that is largely still an audio professional or audio professional light audience. And what I'm excited about is seeing the equivalent of the Instagram filter, right, for audio. And just opening audio up to be much more playful and less intimidating for people who otherwise might, might not explore making music. Um, and I, we, I, I know that there's already uh, some apps uh, that are launching next year that are using AudioShake that are gonna make some of that stuff happen.
1: All right. So stay tuned there. Um, you know, one of the measures of, of traction with, with a company like yours is kind of like who you're partnering with. Cause you have this technology that separates stems, but there's content out there. And then there's, what do you do with that content? Can you talk about any partners or labels that you're working with and, and maybe in what capacity?
0: Sure. Um, on the third party side, that stuff is all, um, uh, not launching until next year. So I'll, not mention those um but there's some pretty exciting implementations happening on that side Uh, in terms of our existing partners so we work with departments we have customers um, at all three major label groups um, most of the large publishers in north america a growing number of um, production music libraries beat marketplaces um, lots of indie labels um, and uh, an artist as well. Um, and what's cool is that, you know, it ranges from, you know, that Green Day type example, down to uh, yesterday, um, a man reached out to me on LinkedIn. And um, he is recently retired, I think, like a NASA physicist, <laughs> who also happens to be an incredibly accomplished musician. And he has a whole bunch of tapes, like really old tapes that he and so you can just kind of imagine, this is like this, 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 this guy that literally was, a physicist or a rocket scientist is reaching out to you being like, whoa, your tech just like pulled apart my old songs. And it's just, I think for his personal use, but like, it's just amazing to be able to serve that full range of music creation, because I think for anyone who creates anything, music or other kinds of art, like it's such an incredibly personal act. And the idea that you you can all of a sudden get at the parts of that, like the, the building blocks of that art, and do new things with it or hear it the way you originally recorded it, I think is like an actually extremely like intimate and exciting thing for people. And so it's, it's, yeah, we're really pleased to be able to serve all those audiences.
1: Well, it sounds like if you add up all those major labels, indie labels, publishers, uh, beats marketplaces, that's a lot of tracks. There's going to be a lot of tracks getting (laughs) divided up into stems here soon, huh?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the, I, I think the, there's there's a whole lot coming. It represents a lot of opportunity for artists. I also think that um, it's important that we keep artists front and center in these conversations too. Like I, I think look I mean I think the reality is is that in the same way that piracy will always exist, um, the best like the best antidote to piracy is way finding ways to be able to allow people to access things and pay for things so that artists are paid also um, having mechanisms in place that if artists don't want their content to be available, that it's not available. I think that kind of paradigm has existed for a very long time. And I think the same thing will happen with stems, but the way, you know, our team thinks about it is that, you know, at the end of the day, if you created a a work of art and you don't want to see it split up um, that, that, we should respect that. And so that that's really, really important to us. Um, now, again, that doesn't mean that no one's ever going to split up your work, because there is a ton of ways that people can split up stems. Um, there's a ton of open source and free software out there where all that can happen. But at least in terms of how we view it and the role that we want to play in the industry, we, we really want to be respectful of that.
1: Cool. Well, you implied a couple times that there's some interesting new monetization opportunities for this this approach, this type of, uh, uh, format, I guess you could say, maybe we could talk just a little bit more about what are those possibilities on, on that side?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that if you think about how a lot of music experiences have existed today, um, when they've involved interactivity or some level of manipulation of the track, meaning we're not talking about streaming, we're actually talking about audio and gaming, or we're talking about, um, Someone being able to uh, remix a song or whatever it would be, those have all been really, really manual experiences. Meaning, the uh, it required some usually some sort of professional knowledge to interact with that, or professionals behind the scenes had to manually take track by track and figure out a way to standardize and label. Uh, if they were, you know, if it was in the gaming environment and they were they licensed hundred tracks or ten tracks or whatever it was they had to, to make each of those tracks um, adapt it, like they had to make it work in the game. But you can imagine a world in the future, which wouldn't only involve our technology, but some others as well, in which a gaming platform would be able to, um, would be able to provide millions of tracks or hundreds of thousands of tracks to the gamers and that those that those tracks could be split in a standardized way, they could be um, edited and made adaptable in a standardized way, such that you actually have a much much larger corpus of music, um, which I think is great for artists and it's great for gamers. Like gamers will turn off the music a lot of times because they don't want to listen to the thing that you know someone selected for them. They want to listen to their music. So if all of a sudden you could open it up to having a far greater corpus, I think that's really exciting. And I think you would see this, so that's just one example, right, of how you could make, so that every single time that the hero enters the cave and it's this dark and foreboding moment and you don't know what's behind the corner or behind the curve of the cave or whatever, if all the music needs to drop out except for the bass, you can now do that consistently across millions of tracks. So just a huge time saver and also a way to bring in more music. And you would see that across other experiences too so the example i gave was gaming but you could imagine in fitness like what if music was responsive to your movements right um or in karaoke you know again if you could turn any track anywhere into karaoke uh apple just actually released this just a couple days ago um and they're using source separation um the same stuff that we do um, so you know, the though I think they don't call it karaoke, but it's karaoke. can um, be um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think it like drops to like the vocals are still a little bit audible, but it's doing source separation so that you can lo- raise and lower the, the vocals. I think they don't call it karaoke, but I think it's a karaoke like experience. Um, and uh, so yeah. there's all these experiences that will happen at scale. There will be licenses involved. Um, you know, it's, it, There, what I'm seeing is while there is and probably always will be a lot of activity happening on the fringes that are not licensed, across, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about stems or the full mix or whatever, um, I think there are a large number of companies and startups and people that are really excited about um, building with artists and that are looking to create these new audio experiences in partnership with industry.
1: Got it. Got it. All right. We're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, I want to widen out from here. I want to hear your thoughts on innovative trends and other folks we should keep an eye on. We'll be right back. Whoa, the ideas are flying fast on this episode. If you want to follow up on anything we're talking about today, we've made it easy head over to musictectonics.com and find this episode on the podcast page. You'll see show notes full of links and a timestamped roadmap of the conversation. We're not responsible for internet rabbit holes you tumble down in the process. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Okay, we're back and we're going to play a game of hype or hope. It's a game that I just invented, Jessica Powell with Audio Shake. I'm gonna ask you to tell us one music innovation trend that you think is hype that will fizzle and one thing that you're hopeful that will have substantial impact in the music field. Are you ready to play, Jessica?
0: I'm like half ready to play. (laughs) I wanna know what what people, I wanna know what the three most recent responses have been on hype.
1: Oh, I would love to tell you, but we just invented this game on this episode.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So I get like first pass at it. Yeah, you I get first pass. You
1: you get to trend set for this on the trends. Which ones are hype and which okay. ones are hope? Shall we start with hype?
0: Alright, let's start with hype.
1: Alright, tell, okay, tell us what I, you think will fizzle. <laughs> it's all hype now.
0: So I am I am by no means a web three hater. I actually think that there are a lot of people that are doing things in web three that are really interesting. And I think the the let's just call it the, the the difference in, well, let's just call it the, the format, the difference in format, I mean, it's more than that, but the difference in format has, I think, spurred people to think really creatively about different kinds of experiences in music that could exist. Um, and so I think that in itself is a net positive and is going to lead to good things. And I think there's some companies that are in that space that are that are building genuinely useful experiences and new, you know, that, that, that are going to last the hype part of it is I do think there's been a lot of companies that have, um, touted in some cases, not even built, but raised to build and necessarily build it, um, things that really didn't have a whole lot behind it and where you really couldn't see why it needed to be on the blockchain in order to exist. Um, but were, and, and in fact that the fact that they were being, created that that they were blockchain somehow meant that the rest of the world as it relates to music didn't exist meaning that you know uh that you could completely go around copyright like we we would definitely have you know this is quieted quite a bit but i remember six months ago we would get a lot of incoming from platforms that wanted to create nft stems for say motown and i'd be like that's cool you talked to mr motown lately like who's (laughs) who's you know, and they're like, no, 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 but it's great. It's on the blockchain. And like, well, and I'm like, but, but like, how is this different from, you know, like, right. Like it's, it. it, and so I think those are the kinds of things. And I think already some of that stuff, it just sounds a lot, feels a lot quieter than it was before. So I'm taking the very bold stance of declaring something (laughs) passe that maybe is already passe, but I do think, but like, to be clear, I do think there's actually some genuinely cool stuff happening in web three. Um, and I'm really glad that that it's all happened and happening because I think that's how you move forward.
1: And, you know, from our perspective, seeing a lot of things, startups and new ideas come onto our radar, it seems like people are taking a more measured approach, just as you took a measured approach about calling it a hype or not. It's, it's not that it's all hype. It's just you kind of have to sort of balance it out with some... Some other stuff, some reality and some, uh, you know, like le- legalities and licensing and all that kind of stuff too. So, okay, let's get to hope. One thing you're hopeful that you think will have substantial impact in the music field, besides stems, please.
0: <laughs> I mean, of course I was going to say stems, and now all of a sudden I have no answer. <laughs> all right, okay, here, here's how I'm going to say stems without saying stems. Um,
1: <laughs> That's the next question. How I, do you say stems without saying I
0: stem? am going to. <laughs> Yeah, right <laughs> um i am hopeful that when it comes to new audio formats and new consumer behaviors with audio that we are not going to repeat the same phase that we went and in fact okay here's how i don't say stems of course this applies to stems it also applies to a lot of generative music mm. um i think that uh I'm hopeful that we're not gonna just go through another repeat of Napster. And that people will, the thing that was really remarkable to me when I worked at CZAC was I would be working for a copyright society during the day. And at night, because I was, you know, 22 and had no other way to get music, I would be using a P2P service to get music, right? And the, and I remember thinking at the time, like, that that going like why are we like why are they suing twelve year olds like I just can't like I'm I'm happy like I I'm happy to pay for music right like I you know like I it was like I couldn't get a hold of music any other way and I wanted to listen to music and um, and I think that that while there's again there will always be piracy And there will always be people that don't want to pay anything and none of that is right but that is sort of how the world is you can address a lot of piracy by opening opportunities for music and creating marketplaces around them and creating uh, licensing frameworks for them. And so I think that when we look at any of these new spaces, um, my hope is that the industry will approach them with, and I think this is happening, with an open mind rather than immediately assuming, okay, okay, we've got we've to shut all this stuff down. And I, I really do see that. Like I said, I, I, there are things that are launching in the next year that I just don't think could have launched five years ago. Um, and that I think there's much more of a, an approach across the labels to partner than to immediately assume, you know, how to stop stuff again, within reason when people are doing totally absurd things and stealing people's content and that kind of thing. Like, I think (laughs) that response is, 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 is fine. But anyway, so I'm hopeful about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're right. The, um, the, the, the. Didn't quite. It was interesting. It didn't quite happen with the download era, but with the streaming era, it seems like we did cross a bridge around figuring out how to do this sort of digital licensing. I wanted to use the word fractional, but I think people might think that refers specifically to songwriting splits (laughs) and things like that. But I mean, just, you know, this little, little, littler bits of of licensing, littler bits of the way that music gets used um, in streaming. And, you know, at this point in this era of, you know, the future of the metaverse and gaming and all this stuff. Streaming doesn't sound very interactive, but it was kind of a divide we had to get across. And it feels like what's to come. And I'm hopeful as you are, that what's to come is these other formats already have a pathway that makes sense from what we learned in streaming. We've seen it in fitness and we're seeing it in gaming and in Web3 and other things where it's like, oh, wait a second, we don't have to get the full album price up front. We can, we can kind of monetize it another way. So I agree with your hope there. And your hype for that matter. Thanks for playing for the first time.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> All right. A couple more things. One of the things you got to experience at the Music Tectonics Conference is we really like to build community. We like to help people find each other, meet, network, do business, and also support each other. We, sometimes when we have guests on, we love to expand our network by tapping into your network. I'm curious what are some specific music tech companies or people that you'd like to shout out and make our audience aware of?
0: Uh, let's see. Um... I love playing with Wave AI. Um, uh, that they it is a like an AI song, like a lyric generator. It's super fun. You can set the genre. It's remarkably good. I think like a lot of things with AI, it is it is a creative tool, right? It's it's a very fun way to kind of overcome writer's block, so to speak. Um, and it's also just very, very, I mean, I think it has real utility, but it's also just really fun to play with. Fun. Um, I love what Audius is doing in terms of connecting artists and fans. I think that one of the problems for existing social platforms um, and music-centric platforms is that it's, they've, al- they've always been rooted in um, broadcasting from one to many and they've had a hard time creating the dialogue between the fan and the artist. And so what I think is, and I think audience still has a lot that it could do in that space too. But what I love about it is that there, there is this idea of I've created a remix and I'm get I get to share it with the artist. The artist can pin it. Um, you either there's tip jar kind of thing. You start to, see, you can see that they're going in a direction of wanting to build more correct connections there. And I think that's really smart. Um, I think that there's a lot of really interesting things happening in, I guess what you could call STEM music recombination. Uh, I think some people will call it generative AI, but I think of generative AI and music AI is a little bit different, but um, companies that are taking um, stems and uh, so companies that would be like companies like um, uh, it could be a toonie, it could be a boomy, it could be a, um, uh, th- there's a number of them. there's movert, uh, Soundful. There's a lot of companies in this space, but I think what's interesting is that they're they're using um, music created by humans, <laughs> um, like composers, uh, and they are using that to then generate new tracks from that. Uh, and I actually think that right now the, the, the companies that are creating music from existing music um, and all of that, uh, th- those are all licensed or, um, they've, they've acquired that, that music. Um, uh, but I think the output from that is, is further along than purely generative uh, music AI, um, which is actually, guess what? It's actually really hard to create a song. Hmm. So like we'll get there at some point on the, the music, the generative AI side too. But um, I actually think the, the thing of taking existing music and finding ways to create different permutations and different combinations and that kind of thing is, um, the quality is, is, is pretty impressive.
1: Awesome. Well, that was great. That was a great list of companies to check out if our listeners haven't heard about them yet or played with them. Super fun. Uh, Jessica, it's been great having you on. For final words, what are you looking for right now? How can our audience help AudioShake get close to your vision and be successful?
0: Uh, I guess I would say, you know, I'm. we're always really excited to hear from people that have interesting ideas around um, uh, things that they want to build with stems or ways that they want to make audio interactive. Um and put it in the hands of more people. So uh, whether that's, you know, it could, it may just be that someone ends up on our, you know, on-demand platform, which we have, which is called Audio Shake Indie, that's for indie uh, musicians and producers, uh, or that they're coming to us actually with, a you know, a full scale idea for, you know, for using the API and so forth. We, we love to talk to people
1: about STEMs. Awesome. Well, from, uh, f- from your interest in karaoke to your playing around with generative AI and, and lyric and so forth, it's been great to have you on the episode to hear what a playful and measured person you are. <laughs> and I wish you the biggest congratulations for winning the Swimming with Narwhals Music Tech Startup Competition at the Music Tectonics Conference. And thank you so much for joining the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: See you soon. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye! You're listening to Music Tectonics.